Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Off-Peak Podcast. We're officially in the worst season for ski aficionados. Unless you live in the southern hemisphere. (laughs) In which summer is fun, but summer is lame if you live in the District of Columbia. Well, summer is winter down there. Yes, but we live in the District of Columbia. We're in a time box. We gotta move on. So let me introduce you guys. I'm here with uh, Nicole, senior ranker. George, ranker and principal editor, and Agenda Steve. What's up today, Steve? Well, let me tell you. We've got a hot new agenda coming at you today. First, we'll address the measures being proposed at Utah's Little Cottonwood Canyon to address the crazy traffic on its access road to the Alta and Snowbird resorts. And secondly, we'll speculate about the potential impact to the ski industry due to the White House's recently announced visa restrictions should they materialize. And with that, Sam, why don't you give us a bit more backstory on what's going on at Cottonwood Canyon? Yeah, so uh, actually, I didn't know too much about what was going on until this week when senior ranker Nicole and I decided to join a public access meeting and learn about the array of proposals that UDOT, so they're Utah's Department of Transportation for those who don't know, and they've gone through a couple of different proposals to get rid of traffic on Alta and Snowbird's Little Cottonwood Canyon access road. That's the canyon that the two ski resorts are on. The road tends to get backed up right now during peak hours, so especially like on weekends and holidays, if you're going up or if it's been like a really good powder day, which given Alton Snowbird are currently the highest ranked resorts for snow we have, they get a lot of those. Uh, there's also a lot of road closures, so that's a use case that UDOT might want to solve for as well. But Closures due to avalanche, that is. And snow. Uh, but yeah. Well, I guess that's the same thing. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. anyway uh, so we wanted to see what UDOT was thinking, because... Um, They're trying to address for traffic in an array of circumstances, Uh, but interestingly enough, we learned that they're trying to address for traffic issues in the year 2050. Yeah, I think it's just a real indication that uh, this traffic situation is not going to get improved anytime soon. The funny thing was, while we were on the meeting, they kept uh, asserting that there's already a lot of traffic during like the summer and uh like non-snow times of the year and a lot of people on the zoom call who live in that area seem to be skeptical of that assertion from UDOT but apparently there are some pretty angry climbers yes yes that's the other thing we learned uh people are very concerned about the climbing and some other people were very concerned that they're sacrificing the canyon for skiing, which, I mean, that's fair. Um, we have to consider people don't love skiing like we do and uh, care about other activities sometimes. But yeah. um, the main thing is they're designing this whole thing for with the year 2050 in mind, and I think it will at least be a, a, like five years before any of this is active. If on. any. Yeah. They have to go through the state legislature to get which, funding, which... Man, if we you know make how, it to five years from now. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I don't even know, like, 
how Utah state legislature works, but I know in places like Maryland and Virginia, they're only in session like a couple weeks out of the year. So imagine how deprioritized something like this would be on their agenda for the year. Well, especially if <laughs> especially it's for this year. Yeah, especially, especially if it's yeah. also like the locals say and there actually isn't a lot of traffic outside of powder days, then I could see a universe where the state legislature kicks this well, can I down mean, the road. That's that's kind of why they're trying to propose this for 2050. The funny thing is, I don't think this is going to have a lot of resident support in general because a lot of people seem to be really annoyed that this is going to be solely taxpayer funded. Um, and that yeah, the resorts aren't going to contribute at all. Uh, there seemed to be an opinion by a lot of people that the resorts should be contributing because they are at least solely responsible for some of the traffic in the winter. Um, but every once again, every time that got brought up, UDOT kept asserting that there's traffic in the non-ski season as well, which I don't live in Utah, and I don't know if that's true. But a lot of people on the Zoom calls seem to be calling bullshit on that. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I will say I cannot speak to Utah's traffic situation in the summer either. I would say that the, the big issue is definitely during the winter, during the, those peak times when people want to go and they want to ski when Alter Snowbird's gotten like a several inches to a couple feet of snow. That certainly happens sometimes. And... A lot of those times, you'll just have traffic that gets so backed up that people will have to turn around at times. Um, but it really now sounds like, while indefinitely those problems might be solved by these proposals, the timeline is a lot longer than we originally expected. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a bummer for anybody in that area um who wants to get up the mountain quickly on a powder day i think that will not be happening for you anytime soon and presumably not even afterwards depending on which yeah. <laughs> measure they implement because it's still going to take you over an hour to get up there even like with the gondola um and then you know the bus alternatives yeah we'll so see maybe if they wind up going let's that, let's uh, let's just kind of go through the three proposed options that are currently finalists and let's caveat that UDOT is still open to other proposals. And if they hear something they like better or the state legislature vetoes whatever the chosen option is going to be, um, then it could, com it could be something completely different than any of these three options. In It could potentially also be nothing. There could potentially be no changes to the road. And so the three options are enhanced bus service with no roadway widening. The second option is enhanced bus service with extra shoulder lanes, and during peak times, those would be bus-only lanes, which would give priority to those buses. And then the third option, which I think we're going to spend the majority of the time discussing, is a gondola from the base of the canyon to both Alta and Snowbird. Yeah, I was much more on board with the gondola plan before I realized that you need to take an over 20 minute bus ride just to get to the gondola from their mobility hub, which you're, you may not even be allowed to park at for free. Oh yes, we learned about all the caveats of the proposed gondola. So first of all, the gondola itself, let's just take into consideration the base station. So if you get to the base station, 
at the base of the canyon, which isn't really the base of the canyon, but we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, it's 27-minute gondola ride to Snowbird, and it's a 35-minute gondola ride to Alta. If you're coming in public transportation and you, you have your gear and stuff, it might not be super convenient or that enjoyable to spend that large of an amount of time on a gondola. I think in terms of most ski resorts, you're probably not going to be spending that amount of time on a lift pretty much anywhere. Um, I think if I remember correctly, I don't even think Sugarbush's Slidebrook Express or Whistler's Peak to Peak takes anywhere near that long. So first of all, it would just be a long ride. Um, I'm sure it would be beautiful though. But secondly, this is the point I think Nicole was hammering at earlier, is that the base of the gondola wouldn't even be where you're starting your journey. Can I ask, where is the base, like, where is one base and where is the other base in relation to, like, where is the journey? The base as in the gondola base versus why, the... Why don't you tell the, George the user yeah. experience of using this gondola? Yes. I want All to go skiing. Yes. What do I need to do? So the imagined user experience for this gondola is you start your public transportation journey, your required public transportation journey, by taking... By starting, sorry, at the park and ride at the base of Big Cottonwood Canyon. Okay. Which is Bigger several... than Little Cottonwood Canyon. But more important... Thank you for the distinction. More important, several miles away from the base of the gondola. From there, okay. a 28-minute bus ride would be required along Wasatch Boulevard and the base of the canyon road. So, you're... You get to the base of the canyon, and the gondola is not even there. You have to take the bus up a little bit up the canyon to get to the base of the gondola. And which you are like, you can't personally drive yourself to the base of the gondola. Is no, what yes. they let us okay. to believe. So what okay. what we learned after that was there's currently a parking lot at the place where the gondola is proposed to be, and it was unclear going into that meeting what they were going to do about that, like. We, we went in curious about how they're going to address the situation because the, the parking lot exists, but it's relatively small at this point. So we asked what they were going to do about like people trying to park there, potentially clogging up the road, which is already two lanes by the time you reach that parking lot. But they just said they were going to close it. And so there's just not going to be any parking options there anymore, which if you're a climber and I guess you want to climb there is not... I, a lot of climbers seem to be angry about that. But anyway, that's not our department. Um, so, here's... here's wrong Alpine sport. We, we, don't, we don't care about climbing on this podcast. On this podcast, we do not. Um, but the other thing that we found out that was kind of telling was we asked whether or not they would have any mechanism of... Because of the fact that the bus ride would take so long, we asked them what they would do to enforce there not being any drop-offs or pickups at the base of the gondola. And they said, there's really much they can do about it. <laughs> They're yeah. like, maybe, maybe we'll have a cop there sometimes, but uh, there isn't really much we can do. Um, and we're just... I, I'm not sure if they said they're hoping people oh, won't no. do that. So, but... so what, what they wound up saying was something along the lines of, it's already a narrow road. It's not going to really look like you 
can or should be stopping there. And I just kind of chuckled. relying on the honor system? Yeah, like, yeah. And that people won't be able to find out this information? Well, also it was just funny to me that they were kind of just like, oh, like there isn't really a place to pull over. And I was like, listen, I'm from New Jersey. There not being a place to pull over does, doesn't stop people from doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's going to probably turn into a bit of a clusterfuck if I had to guess. Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of left the meeting thinking that the little Cottonwood Canyon gondola was probably not a good idea. It seemed like the one big Well, it's slower than both the bus options, and it involves taking a bus. Yeah. Why can't I just stay on one form of transportation at that point? That that was my thought exactly. The, The one thing that sounded like it might actually be an advantage was... The fact that you could have that snow resiliency, because as you said, that road is somewhat prone to avalanches. So yeah, in the but event, they're gonna build snow sheds over the road. They say that that'll help. So like, it probably right. will. And I don't know. I just think it's gonna be incredibly annoying with all my shit to get on a bus and then get on a gondola. And if I if I'm gonna take public transportation anyway, like transfers are the annoying part of any public. Yeah. Did they present these three ideas um, as like equal options, or did they? Yes. Okay. So yeah. there was no preference. They're like, here are our ideas. Yeah. Okay. Well, they the evaluated preference... like over a hundred ideas, and they're like, these are the ones okay. that met our base criteria for what the right idea should have. Their preference was these three ideas are better than the other hundred we sorted through. And yes. we'll see what the legislature says about the one that makes it through. Yeah. Basically. But. Anyway, the one other thing I wanted to mention from that public opinion meeting was there was this one dude who kept pressing an alternative proposal uh-huh. called the Little Cottonwood Express. Yeah. And he was like, so at the beginning of the meeting, the UDOT facilitators made it clear that they'd only be answering questions and not addressing comments. And this dude was posting this idea so many times that one every four questions, the facilitators would be like, oh, we're skipping other, over another comment. <laughs> but the, the, this proposal was like a, a boring tunnel with, I think, Elon Musk's boring company. Oh and God. they were, he, he thought that... George seems not amused. He, he was literally Sorry. plugging. He was like, why haven't you guys considered just digging a tunnel to Alta Snowbird and it would address all of these issues? And he just linked like this extremely long justification for why this proposal should be a thing. And it completely wasn't addressed by any of the moderators, but because of this dude's just perseverance. We're gonna link to it in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> out of respect just for his options. I hey, I don't know. Maybe they'll see it. I I know that they considered trains. I don't know if they considered trains that were underground, but I know that they vetoed trains because of the environmental impact. Yeah. So seems like a tunnel would have a similar environmental impact. It's also probably a function of cost too. Yeah, they also vetoed the cost of the train. So, while it would be cool, I think they're probably not going to go for it. And I think the legislature would really not probably go for it. Yeah. UDOT, if you're listening, maybe take a look at that proposal and uh, And comment below. in the comments. Yeah, comment below. (laughs) Tell us what you think. 
Hey, Steve, what? what's next on the agenda? Oh, I was just expecting uh, Sam to talk about it. Well, we were going to talk about the visa restrictions that are potentially going to happen, um, according to the White House. Yeah. So on Tuesday, President Trump announced a range of visa restrictions for people who are currently not in the U.S. So I've got an article from Fragamin in front of me that I think summed up what happened pretty well. I'm sorry. George, have you ever heard of this this news outlet? I have not, but apparently we're about to start reading from I it. I hope this isn't any of that fake news that Let's I've been if, hearing If about. this is inaccurate... Please comment in the comments. Let us know. That being said, I've read several articles on this, and I don't think it's inaccurate. But I just like shitting Any, on my anyway, friend Sam. <laughs> anyway, a presidential proclamation will spend suspends the entry of new H-1B, L-1, H-2B, and certain J-1 non-immigrants, as well as their spouses and dependents, starting 12.01 a.m. June 24th through December 31st, 2020, with limited exceptions. Uh, the ban does not affect foreign nationals who are currently in the U.S., um, but if you leave and you have one of these visas, you can't come back. The The ones that really affect the ski industry here are the H-2B and J-1 immigrant visas. This could lead to a significant understaffing of resorts, even, even with COVID, um, due to the fact that some resorts get as many as 15% of their seasonal employees through J-1 visas. Um, the justification that it sounded like President Trump was giving here was that Americans want jobs and there's a really high unemployment rate right now. But it seems like the issue is that the unemployment really won't be solved by these seasonal jobs. Um, I, I think Americans want year-round jobs with benefits like healthcare. And uh, these seasonal jobs that may not have these benefits really won't be helpful for restoring yeah, the economy. It's, it's more than that, too. Like, even if you were in a position where you were unemployed and you would want um, to get a job at a ski resort and this resulted in less competition, like, this presupposes that, A, you live near enough to a ski resort where this is an option, or, B, that you have the means to um, get to a ski resort and live there temporarily to work there. So I think there are some pretty high bars, even if you are the person that this kind of legislation we're attempting to target. Um, so it could be that more people like get in these jobs who are Americans, but I bet that it would not make up for the people that they're losing. Yeah, and I mean, many resorts have housing for employees that's subsidized, but still, I mean, I really think that it's probably going to hurt them. It's, I guess it's, uh, you know, only going through the end of 2020 right now. So maybe they'll find a way to work around it if it doesn't go into the new year. I think that the, the moment this will really um, matter for ski resorts is like the election. Um, because this will matter for ski resorts next year and the end of this year. Um, well, so, it's supposed to end December. So, well, it could be extended. I'm saying that yeah. if, in theory, one could imagine that if Biden is elected president, then this will be rescinded in January of next year. But but here's um, here's kind of what I think might happen. If you're a South American, and I think a lot of these J-1 and H-2B visa holders are from South America, and I think their intent is to come up during their summer break and work at a ski resort kind of maybe to get some foreign experience, earn a little bit more money. Um, and I think that if 
they don't know if they're able to come up until December yeah. already, it might already be too late. No, that's fair point. They could have lasting damage even beyond. Yeah, I know um, when I was ski instructing, um, a, a good amount of our instructors were from South America, and a lot of them came to teach while they were on their summer break from college, because um, that like lines up with it being opposite down there. So I imagine that it will probably affect that stream of workers a lot. Yeah. We should also mention that None of us are professionally trained economists, but yeah. we're going to talk but about But one of us is a professionally trained ski yeah. instructor. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I never got my level one certification, and I only ski instructed for a season, so let's not get carried away. But I can say that even working at the small resort that I worked at, there was a very large um, um, like part of our workforce that was um, the... The ISPs, which I forget what it stands for, but it's the, the program I that they international? do. Uh, potentially. Okay. It is might be S International service? Student Program. I think oh. that's what it is. Because okay. most of them, I think they actually have to be a student to do it, so that would make a lot of sense. I'm calling that mystery solved. So. Cool. We don't need to make two podcasts about this one. Yeah, we uh, don't need to do any peak rankings investigative journalism here. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think it's, I mean, I I know that it's probably going to hurt the resorts that are already um, going to be already hurting, yeah. from, from last season. So. Yeah. What do you think some of the impacts we could see would be? Um, I'm, it's really hard to say without knowing how big of a thing coronavirus is going to be for next ski season, because... I could see a universe in, in which they actually need less ski instructors um, if the social distancing guidelines continue. Uh, I imagine that group lessons probably aren't going to be allowed, and I imagine that only private lessons will be taught, and private lessons happen to be incredibly expensive for most people, and I think that that will probably lead to less people taking ski lessons. So there's potentially a need for for I maybe it'll just become a wash in that sense and it might not hurt the resorts at all but but in that case they'll be hurt by something else yes they'll be being hurt by something else and um I mean also in, instructing is not the only job that happens at a resort uh so yeah there's like lift operations and yeah. there's also a lot of these resorts own lodging um and do grooming and snow making too so we could potentially I'd imagine see some impacts there. Um, I'm, I'm really hoping that like 15% is a large portion of the workforce. So I'm really hoping that the mountains could stay staffed enough to not force any clo like acreage closures. I don't yeah, think it'll we'll get see. to that I point. Think but... I think that's unlikely. Um, I think at some point they might just start doing things like really subsidize their on-site housing, like make it almost free. So uh, I think that might happen. But if, if they can be open, they will want to be open. And if they need people, they're going to find a way to get them. It might just cost them more money. Yeah. Basically is what I think. So only time will tell. Yes. yes. We'll continue to follow this saga, and 
one other thing to note is that a number of ski groups, I think, plan to fight this in court. So I, I do... I did get the impression that the White House was open to some limited exceptions to this ban. So it's completely possible that ski resorts could fall under this. I think all the arguments we just made could be valid for um, why this wouldn't help um, really solve anything. Um, But we'll just have to wait and see. It looks like we're out of time. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Steve, you have any final words? No, you only pay me for the first minute of this. Well, you could be you could be earning more money if, if Sam wanted to pay you for more minutes. Well, he doesn't. So. All right. Well, this ran out of steam a yeah. while ago. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. If you want some more information on our take on the Little Cottonwood Canyon proposal, we wrote an article on our site. We'll link to it below. Otherwise. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you back on the peak.